knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. I am joined by Andy Donald, better known as Nocturnal Archer, correct? That's right, Dylan. G'day, mate. It's great to be here. Man, it's a pleasure to have you on. I've watched your stuff uh, for a long time and uh, been a big fan. And, you know, <laughs> I even learned more about you uh, that made me even a bigger fan. So uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I'm excited to talk some uh, just some archery talk. Oh, yes, always. Before we jump in, give us a quick introduction to yourself, my friend. Yeah, radio. Um, well, I, I live in Melbourne, uh, Australia. I. Um, in my late 30s, I took up archery a little late in life, um, around about the same time that Fred Baird did, actually, uh, just turning 30. Um, I've been a professional musician since I've left school. I'm a teacher um, of music and studying to be a primary school teacher. And I'm legally blind with a vision impairment called rod monochromatism, uh, which is quite rare. Um and it's uh, um, categorized by uh, extreme sensitivity to light. So uh, that explains some of the, the um, pseudonym. Um, I much prefer the nighttime. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that, that's me in a nutshell at the moment. I'm completely obsessed with archery, of course, and, uh, and it's just been a fantastic journey for about the last eight years. Now, I'm curious to know, um, so when you say legally blind, um, walk <laughs> me through like, walk me through like how well you can actually see, All right. um, yep. because you know, people like, like I've talked to people and they're like, well, yeah, I'm legally blind. Um, you know, but they can still function quite well. Like even if they took That's their right. glasses off, they could still function quite well. Yeah. Um, so walk me through like, because I'm anxious to get into this, like from an archery standpoint, um, yeah. So in order to get into that, I kind of want to just understand, like, you know, is it long, uh, what's the words I'm looking for here, uh, nearsighted long-sided, or far-sided? short-sighted, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give you a rundown. Um, well, first of all, vision impairment is um, ex- extremely an extremely broad spectrum of um, uh, different um, conditions, and um, there's quite a lot of variety amongst them, so... Um, it's not quite always as simple as long or short-sighted. Um, there's a lot of uh, variety there. But legally blind, it, it's, it's, a, 
it's a pretty accurate term to use because there's a um, there's an official definition of it. So, uh, if if perfect vision is or average vision is twenty twenty, you can have better than twenty twenty. Um, my vision or a legally blind person's vision is um, well, I only know it in meters here. Uh, it's six less than six sixty. So what the average person can see at sixty meters, a legally blind person would have to uh, get closer than six meters to to say read a street sign or something like that. Um, now that's that's more to do with visual acuity, so how clear things are. Um, but it it doesn't mean that you you can't see and uh, really a good a good way to explain. Um, what being legally blind means is, you know, I can't drive. And that, that, that's a pretty, um, relatable thing for most people. So yeah, I, if you're legally blind, you can't get your driver's license. You can't do, um, things that require, uh, good vision, like fly a plane or, um, become a, you know, forklift driver or something like that. Um, uh, so that's why I use the term legally blind, but it is a bit um, confusing sometimes because I'm I'm certainly not blind. Um, I, I usually explain it by by saying I'm vision impaired, um, and one of the things with vision impairments is that they can often change dramatically based on the conditions. So um, people can be night blind so the uh the dark is is a really difficult time for them for me it's the opposite my condition is called rod monochromatism and it affects the rod cells in my eyes um oh sorry it affects the cone cells <laughs> you'd think i'd know by now um so the cone cells are clustered in the center of your eye and they they take care of um things like your color vision they take care of reading uh in in fine focus focusing in long distance um they're your central vision and they also they're active during the day or in in um when bright lights are around so uh so i function purely on my rod cells and they're scattered around the back of the eye um, and they take care of your peripheral vision they do your night vision um, and they're also, uh, it's kind of like they're in, um, a higher frame rate, but lower definition, if that makes sense. So, um, I've enjoyed practicing martial arts, um, since I was young and often you're told, you know, don't focus on your opponent, use your peripheral vision. And one of the reasons for that is that your peripheral vision will pick up, um, fast moving objects, uh, much better than your central vision. Um, I don't actually have central vision, if that's um, if that makes any sense. Uh, my brain covers this blind spot up quite well, so I don't really notice it. But um, essentially, yeah, it's 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 quite a I suppose it's quite a flat um, perspective from my end. I'm seeing only with my peripheral vision. Uh, so that's why the visual acuity is so low. Uh, but really the most significant factor is the sensitivity to light. And during the day, 
or say if I popped into the 7-Eleven, if I don't have a pair of sunglasses and preferably, you know, I wear custom um, red, extremely dark, like dark like a welding mask contact lenses um, under the sunglasses as well, they, they help me function in those situations. And um, another symptom that people find pretty fascinating is that I don't see any color at all um, because your cone cells take care of the color. So I'm completely colorblind um, and that doesn't uh, really bother me because I've never known any different, but it is it is pretty fascinating to talk about color. I, I never really get tired of trying to understand it. And um, yeah, so that's that's me in a nutshell, like with, um, with, in terms of my eyesight, uh, I, I use a, um, I don't really need, um, mobility aids like a, a, um, white cane for feeling my way around, uh, or a guide dog, but I do often use what's called an ID cane, an identification cane. It's a smaller version of a white cane and it's, um, it's pretty handy when I'm in a really busy, a big city or something like Melbourne's quite a big city. So I often use it walking through the city or uh, in places I'm not familiar with. And it just lets other people know that, you know, I might not uh, see you riding your bike down the, the road or I'm, you know, when I'm crossing the street um, or walking down the, the footpath. Yeah. Uh, I might not see you before you see me. So, how did all this, how did all this translate into archery? Um, you know, like what, what, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking like, if I can't see the target, well, I'm not going to try to shoot. Um, mm-hmm. so what made you think like, I'm going to pick this up and do this? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Um, look, I, I guess, first of all, it's just drawn to, to archery. Um, I love, I love traditional bows, um, and I just became fascinated with them. It's something I've always wanted to get into, but it, it took me a while to um, find the time. And um, But then that is a question I, I really had to ask myself. Um, and it's been a, a really interesting learning experience, the, the whole journey. Um, if I can't see the target, I'm not going to try and shoot at it obviously uh, that that would be irresponsible but there are situations where i can see the target and there there may be situations where i might be able to see it and you might not um say if it was very low light um so i guess to answer your question i don't i don't shoot very far and that's one of the reasons i was drawn to traditional archery and um traditional bow hunting is that you know, we like to get in close. And so, um, 20 meters is absolutely my max distance, um, in terms of hunting. And once again, if, if a shot doesn't present itself to me, then it's not, it's not going to happen. Uh, so it's all about working within your means and, and being responsible in that way. But, um, more generally, if I can see the target, I might not be able to see a, um, you know, the bullseye point itself, but if I can see the whole target, if it's a 3d animal, I mean, they don't have, 
um, visible bullseyes on them anyway, of course. But uh, if you can make out a target, you can find the centre of that target, even if you you can't see the bullseye itself. And I I don't use um, sights or anything like that, so. I find instinctive archery was was definitely um, the path for me uh, because it, it has some really strong links to your kinesthetic awareness um, your, and your proprioception. So I'm using, you know, my technique and my sense of touch and combining it with the, the information that I'm getting from my eyes, which isn't um, – it's certainly not useless. Uh, you know, archery is a is – very much um a visual sport although i i do know lots of people that um are blind partially blind totally blind and and you can practice archery if you have a vision impairment or even if you're totally blind um however to yeah to hunt ethically obviously you really need to have some vision um enough to yeah to make it ethical so I just stick to the the low light times, which works out pretty well sometimes. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. Um, so I know with struggling during the daylight. Um, I mean, if you were to to so so say a uh, an animal, whatever species you're hunting, walks out during the day, um, you, there's really not much you can do about it, right? I mean, well, with with my vision aids, with my um, contact lenses and my my sunglasses, I I get around pretty pretty um, well during the day, and um, I guess it's the same as it is for any uh, hunter. You know, if if I can see it, and if it um, if it presents itself, and uh, and it's a responsible shot, then I'll take the shot. Uh, however, I guess those shots, yeah, don't present themselves to me as often as they would to other people. So, uh, with with average vision, so um, so I just take it from that perspective. You know, um, I uh, I really try and. Um, yeah, just focus on on what I can achieve in that moment, and if the shot doesn't present itself, then that's the way it goes. Um, but thankfully, a lot of you know, as you well know, a lot of hunting opportunities are around dawn and dusk, and um, that suits me pretty well. Yeah. Now, before we move on, I got I got another question. I'm I'm excited to to, to ask you. Um, I do need to give a quick thank you to our friends over at Bonning. Um, they make arrow components, and, and of course, everybody knows the Blazer vein. Uh, but they have so many different veins. So whether you're whether you're a target archer or bow hunter, um, they have so many different veins. Uh, I am personally loving the three-inch Bronco and a four-fletch. Um, but also, they have all the tools to build your arrows, all of your fill points and knocks and wraps and and tools. Um, at fletching jigs so go check out bonding archery and they have some incredible uh fred bear branded products that i absolutely love um the fred bear flannel wraps um are incredibly good looking so go check out bonding archery so you were a target archer how long before becoming a bow hunter oh no i've never never been a target archer yeah never done target archery or any kind of um 
archery competition before actually. Uh, so yeah, um, never used a bow with a sight, never shot in a competition. So I should say that you, you practiced archery, um, how long before you decided to go? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, about seven years. Yeah. Um, solid practice, figuring out how to make it work. Um, getting my technique really honed because for me, you know, I guess I'm not, I'm not sure what it's like, um, (laughs) for people with, um, average vision. Uh, but, um, I imagine, you know, if, if you are able to, to see in that level of detail, uh, that you can make adjustments on the fly a bit more, or um, you can rely on your vision to to correct some some bad form, or you know get around that and be a bit more forgiving that way. Um, I I've, my philosophy has always been I, I really need my technique, um, particularly shooting a traditional bow, to be to be um, very reliable uh, because. If I can't rely on my technique, then I, I can't fall back on, um, you know, 2020 vision to sort of make up the difference. Um, I need to, to have that reliable technique and I need to really trust in, um, in my form and, and what I can feel through the bow, uh, to know that, yeah, to have confidence in, in where I'm sending that arrow. So, um, I practiced, yeah. For, for a long time before I thought about making the, the move to hunting and it's been a really recent move. So, um, I haven't, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's only been in the last, um, almost the last six months really, uh, that I've, I've had some, some fantastic mentors, um, and here in Australia and, and yeah, we've, we've gone hunting and, um, it's been just, just amazing. We're planning a, a hunt for next month. Um, here it's the rut season, so yes. So I think the that might be a, a bit more of a, a longer time frame than than some people um, getting into archery and thinking uh, about hunting. But to be honest, um, hunting wasn't really something I'd considered when I got into to archery, and it's only through um, meeting people and learning more, uh, that I decided yeah, this is something I, I'd really like to do. Um, and yeah, it was a really eye opening experience. Um, hunting is not at all mainstream in Australia. I don't have any family members or friends outside of the friends I've made through archery recently, um, that, that hunt. Um, it's, it's a shame that it's like that because, uh, it's, it's an amazing, um, place to, to hunt here in Australia. We have, we, we don't hunt any native animals. We, all the animals we hunt are introduced feral species, um, cause a lot of destruction to the the native, um, wildlife. And, um, and so it's great to be able to, you know, bring something positive, um, from, something that causes a lot of destruction. And of course, you know, we, we always, uh, well, I, I personally am all about hunting for the meat and, um, and that's, that's been really important to me too. 
Now I can tell you this. I uh I had a conversation with my friend uh Ben Solaris from Australia and uh hearing about the hunting scene in Australia, um, you know, even even when 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 we plan when us from people from the States when we plan out of country hunts, you know, you don't usually hear a lot about Australia. Um mm. you know, you don't normally hear your friends say, I'm planning a hunt in Australia. Uh, but after that conversation with my friend Ben, um, Australia is near the very top of my wish list. Um, yeah. You know, hearing about some of the incredible species and hunting opportunities and and the game rich environment, um, it is at near the very top of my uh, to do list. It just sounds like an absolute blast. Um, and, and you know, seeing some of his videos and seeing the terrain and seeing where he's hunting and how he's hunting. Uh, I need to make it happen to hunt in Australia. Oh, absolutely. It's a beautiful, big country. And there's a lot of variety. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm still, you know, well in the uh, learning stage of it myself, but um, it's uh, it's a bit of a different scene down here. Um, there, are diff- there are lots of rules, of course. Um, they're different from state to state. I'm no expert on them, uh, but we don't have a tag system. We don't really have seasons. Um, and yeah, there is, a, quite an interesting variety of, um, game to, to hunt down here and yeah, New Zealand as well. New Zealand is some, somewhere where I've been a few times before, but, um, I've never hunted there, but it's definitely on my wish list as well. So what do you hunt? I mean, what's, what, what, you said you're going next month. What are you hunting next month? I think um, I think we'll be chasing some fallow deer and maybe some samba. Um, but there there are a few other species of deer. There's some red deer, um, chittle deer, uh, feral goats, feral pigs, rabbits and foxes. If you go into the desert, you might <laughs> find a camel. I don't know if that happens very often. Um, believe it or not, people um, do hunt feral cats. They're an enormous pest here in Australia, and um, I think they'd give your mountain lions a run for their money, to be honest. They, they get pretty vicious. Um, you can go up to the Northern Territory uh, and hunt uh, water buffalo. Um, like I said, I'm just <laughs> in the learning stage myself, but but those are definitely a few uh, species. Yeah, I I did a hunt last year, uh, which was my first successful hunt, and we were hunting some feral goats, uh, and that was really really fun. Um, that was with my uh, mate Jack Spinks and um, Anthony from Little Axe down here, uh, and yeah, so I think we'll be chasing some deer next month. Now that I just love, and you said the the first the first one you said was follow deer, follow deer. Mm. Um, and and in talking with Ben, I just I got I got excited about all the deer species, and uh, mm. and and I'm like, man, I got to get there, and uh, and hearing him tell the stories of of uh, of kangaroos or or. Uh, what do you call them there? <laughs> Kangaroos, wallabies. Yeah, wallabies, wallabies are the smaller ones. Yeah. Uh, hearing him tell the stories of 
of those and and uh you know how they'll they'll blow a stock and he'll be stalking an animal and and uh he'll have to like box one off i'm like man i i gotta <laughs> come there it just sounds like a blast um but no i really, I really can't wait um now are there any are there any kind of legal um you know in um laws against hunting with the vision impairment or is it just like you can see you can hunt you know i don't really know <laughs> um not as far as i'm aware uh i mean i'm i'm hunting with the traditional bow so i'm i'm getting in very close and um for me it's really more about being there um i i was thrilled to um to uh take a few goats last year that was amazing and um i was even more excited to to share the meat with friends and family um but to be honest i i just i really enjoy just being out there and um and being amongst it uh learning about learning about the the way animals want to move and and how they interact and um and all of those subtleties of, of hunting is is definitely more um that's that's the major appeal for me so uh yeah i, I can't answer that question i'm afraid um but as far as i'm aware yeah i haven't i haven't come across any uh regulations like that <laughs> probably should that's good. research a bit more but yeah that's yeah. good now i do i know when you mentioned you couldn't see color, my first immediate thought as a bow hunter was like, well, how in the crud do you track a blood trail? And, mm -hmm. uh, and I've got a friend, um, who's colorblind and sure enough, he can't see the color red. Mm. And so, uh, anytime he shoots a deer, or if he's out with me, he's virtually worthless, uh, for <laughs> tracking a deer. And I'm like, Oh, he went this way. He's like, do you see blood? And I'm like, dude, there's a pile right here. What are you talking about? He's like, I can't see it at all. Um, but he's virtually yeah. worthless. Um, so have you <laughs> ran into that issue yet? Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm in the same category there as far as seeing it. Um, it's, it doesn't stand out to me. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, I've always been hunting with, um, friends. So, you know, luckily we, we, um, rely on each other. Uh, I'm, I'm keen to, uh, to get into hunting with uh, Labrador, um, and and that I think will be um, will be the way forward for me um, using uh, a tracking dog um, to assist me and and um, even in the stalk as well. So yeah, that's that's yet to happen it's down the track, um, but I, I think that that will be uh, how I'm going to to tackle hunting solo uh but for the moment I'm, I'm really lucky to have a whole bunch of um excellent uh friends and mentors down here um and we help each other out you know sometimes when they lose something in the dark uh they might call on me for help so <laughs> <laughs> now that is the that that is the now can you hunt pigs there uh at night um yeah people do uh on private property i'm not sure of all the the different rules i mean usually there's yeah there's the standard rules of, of not hunting after sundown um uh so, so yeah i haven't i haven't tried that yet but 
so here are, pigs are so invasive that you can hunt them any way you want. Oh, really? You can hunt them with thermal scopes. You can hunt them with spotlights. Wow. You can hunt them, you know, run dogs. You can do anything. Um, it's much the same here, to be honest, I think. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of that sort of stuff going on. I mean, especially on private properties. If it was pitch blackout, yep. uh, I mean, could you see and hunt hogs without any sort of lights? I mean, well, is, look, is your vision that good at, at, at night? Not in pitch black, you know. It's not like super night vision, but but here's the thing with, with my um, vision. Uh, my eyes are always at their most light sensitive. Um, that's where they're stuck. Uh, they don't, that doesn't change. They don't adjust to the light. So if you put yourself in a pitch black room, no light whatsoever, and you sat there for half an hour or 45 minutes, then your eyes are as sensitive as mine. As soon as you turned your phone on and had a look, bang, your, your cone cells come back online and you're going to have to, to spend another half an hour resetting your night vision. Um, for me, that, that period of adjustment doesn't exist. So, uh, it's pretty, um, uh, debilitating during the day sometimes if I don't have the proper equipment, but, um, at nighttime, you know, it's, uh, it can be somewhat of an advantage, but I think one of the other things is I'm just far more comfortable if there's slightly less than enough light as opposed to slightly more than enough light. Um, I'm just, I'm much more comfortable seeing in the dark, but you know, they're still just human eyes. I can't see in the pitch black. Uh, but if there's a bit of a moon out, then I, I feel fairly confident and I, I love practicing, um, at night as well. So yeah, that, that's, that's definitely when I'm shooting my best. Now I saw a video of you not too long ago and, uh, it was 20 meters and you were shooting a little bitty dot and, uh, and I mean, all three arrows just stack right in there. And I'm thinking, Lord have mercy. I can't shoot that good, and I can see the dot. Um, yeah, it doesn't happen very – it doesn't happen every time, let me tell you that. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's be honest here. Yeah, that, that would have been down at the range um, on a big black um, target face. It was probably about a um, one-and-a-half by one-and-a-half meter target face, and, and I put a white dot on it. Because of the difference in the contrast there, I can see that dot. Um, so, I, I mean, I can see it. I wouldn't say it's clear, but I don't have much. I wouldn't say it would be clear to you. Um, to me, it's as clear as it gets. I don't know any different. Uh, and, and the funny thing about rod monochromatism is it's, it's not – so much that you're, um, you have a classic long or short sightedness, uh, which is caused by, you know, um, a, a misshapen eyeball basically, and not focusing properly on, on the back of your eye. And it's, it's actually just the low definition of the, um, the rod cells that you're seeing with. So it's not blurry. It's just, uh, it's just like the difference between 
high definition TV and regular TV or, or, you know, a video game in the early nineties and a video game now, um, when stuff gets into the distance, it's, it's just a little pixel basically until it disappears. So, um, at 20 meters, that's, that's not a bad, um, distance for me. But having said that, even if I, I took that large target out to 50 meters, it's a pretty big target. And if I know the dot is in the center of it, then even if I can't see the dot and I can see the large square target, I can put that dot in my, my mind and, um, you know, pick that spot and place that arrow in the middle. Not that I'm very good at that distance, so, you know, that's all theoretical, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I approach um, that sort of stuff. I got you. So it's more of, so, so for you, um, it really, really truly in the purest sense of the form is, is instinctive shooting. Um, now, before I go on, I do have, uh, I do need to say thank you to our friends over at Koa Optics. Um, Koa Optics are, are, have been really good friends of mine for a long time. Uh, they make some of the finest Japanese glass on the face of the planet. Um, their, their spotting scopes, I would literally put their spotting scopes up against anybody. Um, their binoculars are fantastic and they have some incredible warranties. So go check out Koa Optics. Um, for all of your glassing needs, um, because I, I'm just a huge fan of them. I, uh, I don't use anything else and they, uh, have always treated me very well. Um, you are, you have a, a kind of a collection of bare bows going on over there, don't you? Yep. I, I really got stuck into collecting, um, bare bows when I, when I got into archery. Um, in fact, yeah, when I've, I was completely new to, to archery when I, I first started and um, just looking around at what was available in Australia, um, I stumbled across bear. Uh, I, I just love the, um, the history of bear archery and learning about the uh, adventures of Fred Bear. Um, it just really inspired me. And, uh, and then I realized, you know, what a... Um, how many amazing uh, vintage bows were still still around and still shooting well and um, and all these different varieties. I, I think I get a little bit obsessed with collecting sometimes. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> it does kind <laughs> of um, – I got to tell you, it really does take off and uh, can get a little out of control sometimes. And it, uh, I think it, it did in the best possible way with um, collecting bows. So um, the collection peaked and, and then uh, over the lockdown here, I, I, um, I may have had to shed a few uh, few in the collection, but um, yeah, it's still keeping me busy just getting to know them all. And um, uh, I have quite a few um, modern bears, uh, but I really do like the, the vintage ones that that i've found and and even though like i said earlier i'm not a target archer just got something for the old um target bows that the bear used to produce like the tamerlane and the um 
the uh, Tartare and the um, what's the other one I'm thinking the Tamagin and yeah things of things like that lots of lots of ornate things they they really remind me of the sort of um, uh, classic cars of the the 50s and 60s and um, they've got those curves to them and I don't know what it is but yeah it's a fascinating well, that, link you know that's part of the beauty of recurves and longbows mm. um, because nobody looks at a compound I mean I look at a compound and I think man that thing looks bad uh, but nobody looks at a compound and they're like oh it's so beautiful no. uh, but but with a recurve they they they're a work of art each and every one of them uh yep. my grandpa actually recently passed on and i got a, a recurve from him and uh just gorgeous like you said it's almost like uh looking at a classic car i'm looking at it right now and just the lines and hmm. and, and and the cuts in it i mean it's just gorgeous and the wood um and and that doesn't happen with a compound um now there's a different appreciation for like the the craftsmanship and like machining and design work that goes into a compound. Sure. But, but with a, a recurve, it's just like, man, uh, it's just, it, it really truly is a work of art. Um, and speaking of, of compounds, my, uh, my wife, uh, just got her new legit in last week. Um, cool. if you're not familiar with the legit, it is a, it's it's one of the compounds that can go from like you know seven pounds to seventy pounds and twelve inches to to thirty two inches. So anybody in the world can shoot this bow, and I am incredibly pleased with the way this thing is shooting. Um, I put it to my draw length and weight and shot it a few arrows and and uh, then quickly set it down to hers and uh, just a phenomenal shooting bow for such a for such a price point bow and such a such a bow that that anybody can shoot and. And when my wife gets a new one, she can pass it to our kids. And, and I mean, just a phenomenal bow. Yeah, it's um, very so versatile. You your hands, yeah, if you haven't got your hands on a legit, um, run out and try one because it is a fantastic bow, a bow the whole family can enjoy shooting. And by, by a few turns of, the, of an Allen wrench, you can set it to anybody in your family to shoot. So just a fantastic bow I've been incredibly pleased with. Um, now, over your over – your, your time in traditional archery. Um, Fred bear was big on his field notes. And I try to always ask people, uh, what's something you've learned, um, in your journey into becoming a better archer, uh, something that I can take and, and put in my back pocket and make myself a better archer with. <sighs> Mate, there's just so much I've learned. Um, it's really hard to pin it down and I feel like I am constantly a beginner um, <laughs> at this no matter and I think that feeling will probably continue forever like I um, look I just it, it's just really hard to, to pin down a lot of the stuff I'm learning is is just really um, uh, reinforcing the the basics um it's it's fine to to know these things in theory but until you you get out there and and um try to implement it you it's hard to fully appreciate and understand um but i guess you know from my perspective um and i don't know if, if this is of any use to you but to to anyone listening um archery is is such 
an amazing um, art form and it's it's so accessible. And that's one of the things I love about it. Um, it doesn't matter what uh, disability you might have, if you have a disability, uh, if you're interested in archery, I would say go for it. Um, do some research. You will find someone um, in a similar situation to you practicing archery and uh, it's just a remarkably accessible um, sport, art, discipline, whatever you want to call it. Um, and and that's that's one of the, the things that, yeah, I wasn't so sure about when I first started, um, but now – yeah, that, that has become really, really clear to me. Um, uh, I just completed my, um, level one archery coaching course and, and been getting into a bit of yeah casual, um, assistance down at the club and things like that. And, and I just, um, that has really opened my eyes to, to how big para archery is, um, in Australia and around the world and, and, um, yeah, how much archery has to offer to, to anyone, uh, in any situation. I, I just, I've seen, um, yeah, so, so much, uh, evidence that, yeah, it's an incredibly accessible, um, sport and, and you should definitely get into it if you, if you feel the urge to, yeah, don't hesitate. Yeah, absolutely. Archery is for everyone, and that was that was the biggest mindset, um, I believe, of Fred Bear, um, that archery mm. is for everybody and it should be accessible to all. And so um, that's why Bear Archery to me is um, just such an incredible company uh, because they don't leave anyone out, and they've truly embraced that mentality of archery for everyone. And, uh, mm. and so I'm truly grateful. Um, for that being their mindset and the way they think, because you're 100% correct. Um, I hear people all the time tell me, well, I can't afford a bow. And, uh, and I'm like, well, you might not be able to afford, you know, the $1,400 bow that you see this guy shoot on Instagram, but you can afford the $200 used one off Craigslist and that's okay. Um, yep. It's okay to get that, and it's okay. Uh, it, it at least gets you started. It gets your foot in the door. It gets you shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the legit that um, that I just mentioned and, and raved on about, uh, I mean, my wife, that, that bow is, again, a phenomenal shooting bow that literally anybody can shoot, and you can get it fully set up and ready to roll for 400 bucks. Uh, and and wow. so archery is for everybody. Um, and it's accessible to all. And, and, you know, even if you, even if you couldn't afford the 400, you can find one, you know, on eBay, um, for, for 150, 200 bucks and, and be out in the woods shooting and, and be out in the woods hunting. And so absolutely, uh, fantastic, uh, tip there. Um, and it, it's something that I wish more people who had platforms would preach, um, that archery is for everybody. Um, absolutely. Well, Andy, I appreciate your time so much, man. It was an an absolute pleasure. Um, we're recording here. It's about six p.m. my time. Um, I know it's like what eight a.m. your time. It's uh twenty to nine here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice and early. Yeah. Nice and early. Uh, you're still getting your coffee in, and I'm about ready to go sit in my recliner for the rest of the night. So, <laughs> um, 
No, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you, man. Before we go, I uh, do need to give a thank you to my friends over at Wise Eye Technology. Um, they make some of the finest cellular trail cameras on planet Earth. And and what I mean by, by finest is this. Um, you download their app, and it the, the camera will send the f- pictures to the app. I never have to go check my camera. I've got a solar panel on the camera, so I never have to go check it. Batteries never die. And the app will actually um, put different deer in different folders based on on characteristics. So if I want to see uh, pictures of the deer I named Sticks, then I can go in there and just look at his folder and just look at pictures of him, see when he's showing up, see where he's coming from, where he's going. Um, but also it's got game res- recognition technology, so I don't have to look at the thousand pictures of does and squirrels and coons. I only get the pictures of the big bucks I want to see, and that's all I'm worried about. Just a fantastic system. So go check out Wise Eye Technology because I truly believe um, that they are the best in cellular trail cameras. Andy, again, thank you so much for coming on, man. Dylan, the uh, pleasure was all mine. Thank you for having me. Yes, and next time next time you, you buy a new um, bear bow and, uh, and, and you find one of those old antique bows, um, send a picture to me, share it with me. I'd love to see it. Um, because do. those, those are gorgeous, man. Um, yeah. you have a couple of very, very beautiful Kodiaks. Oh yes. Yeah. I love the Kodiaks. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm uh, thinking I might take one away next month. That's actually, it should be the first time hunting with that. Yeah. That is one of the prettiest bows on planet earth. Um, yeah, I have and, to and agree I with you friend, there. My friend, uh, my friend, Chris Perino, um, he loves the, the, the Kodiak. That's his favorite bow. He loves the Kodiak. Um, just a great bow. But Andy, man, thank you so much for coming on guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll have a great week. Get out there and shoot your bow because just like Andy said, archery is for everyone. You're welcome. And we want you to participate with us.